Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom-Bello. Thank God for the things that we see and the things that we don't see. The things that he had made pass over us. You know when the Bible says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. The angel of death was passing. Some people in the building who were there on the wall that had the blood on the lintel may not even know what was going on on the outside. Hallelujah. So we're thankful to what God has done. Can you put me back in that scripture? If you see that scripture, it says, his perfect faithfulness of which he had planned long ago. If you remember when I taught you on God's plan, I said that God is a serial pathological promise keeper. That he doesn't even forget one plan that he makes. That's how intentional God is. And all of these plans is summarized in everything that Christ is. So God had a plan even from the fall of Adam. He already had a plan that Christ is going to be born. Because he said to the woman, he said to the serpent, he said, the woman is going to destroy, I mean the seed of the woman will destroy your head, but you would bruise his heel. That was a prophecy about Jesus. And many generations were passing and there were prophecies about the coming of Jesus. That plan is the plan of God. So if God is faithful to the extent that Jesus actually showed up, and Christ became the first fruit of our salvation. If God was faithful to that plan and he saw that plan through, there's nothing God cannot do for you. So God is faithful. Praise God. In those days, we didn't used to have um, grammar in the way you see grammar now, spellings and all of those things. So how they communicated in those days were things with pictographs. Pictographs are like pictures that communicate what you're trying to say. So if you watch all those old movies, you would see drawings that are describing the idea of a concept. That's what you call pictograph. If you check the pictographic meaning of the word faithfulness, it actually means seed and blood. You would see the drawing of the seed and blood. Seed as in spermatozoa, which is the sperm of a man. Seed and blood. So faithfulness speaks of the commitment a parent has towards the child. That's what faithfulness is. Can a nursing mother ever forget her suckling child? It is hard to find. Have you seen a woman who is thinking about making her nails when she's in labor or when her child is sick on admission and she's going to make her nails? It's hard to find. Except she's not the mother. So can a suckling, uh, can a nursing mother forget her child? It's very impossible. So you see now, that commitment a parent has towards a child is the picture of what you call faithfulness. God is faithful to me. Now, the faithfulness of God now reveals further with this description that I've just given you. It reveals further the fatherhood of God and our sonship. Because if I say faithfulness is the description of blood and seed, describing God as a father, then it means that God indeed is father. He's a father who doesn't forget his children. I was sharing last Sunday and I was talking to parents on how to see your kids as God's gift. And I said something. I said, children are not the working of your performance merely. Children are a gift from the Lord. Whether you're married, whether you're not married, we don't perpetuate adultery or fornication, no. But in the event that you have a child out of wedlock, God still loves that child. And that child still has a purpose. Amen. Now, we said that the faithfulness of God as a father is exemplary because he never forgets his child. Do you know that because you are God's child, he doesn't forget you? 
Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Let me show you the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, God, can we read it together? Let's read it together. One to go. God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. You can use the King James Version. It says, God is faithful who has called us into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, I hear when people say that your fellowship with God determines your relationship with him. Have you heard that statement before? That the deeper your fellowship, the deeper the relationship. It's not true. Nothing can be further than the truth than that. Your relationship with God is a function of covenant. Is a function of what he has covenanted in Christ Jesus. So his commitment to you is because he has to be committed to Christ. So that's why this scripture here says that God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship. You didn't call yourself into fellowship. Because before Jesus died, nobody could come or emerge to say, I am a son of God. It's impossible. So, you were called into fellowship. So, God is faithful. So, it's not a function of your faithfulness that determines a relationship between God and you. It is the faithfulness of Christ. It's the faithfulness that Christ stayed through on that cross, did not, oh, praise God. The Bible says that he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth. I thank God that he opened not his mouth because him keeping quiet and going through the pain, the flogging, the beatings and the weight of the cross up until he gets to Golgotha is faithfulness and it's a covenantal relationship between God and Jesus Christ. So therefore we are beneficiaries of that covenant. So it's not a function of your faithfulness. You know, many of you just like to add your performance in how God, you think your performance is how God deals with you. So you know, I don't think God and I are in good terms today because you know, pastor, I haven't read my Bible in five weeks now. So I think God is just, you know, God is paying attention to other people who have been reading their Bibles. But for me now, we are on sabbatical right now. God and I are not really in good terms. Look at you. God and you are not in good terms. <laughs> the Bible says that he has made us accepted. In the beloved. I'm not trying to be accepted. Listen, do you know that your prayer and your studying your Bible, it doesn't make God love you more than he already does. It makes you know that he loves you more. It, it, you're, so you're studying the Bible, you're praying, affects you. It doesn't affect God. Because his faithfulness to you is a commitment to you. Outside of your performance. Outside of your performance. So God is faithful who has called us into fellowship. There was a lady who said, Pastor, if you know all the things I've done, you won't tell me to just come to church like that. I said to her, I said, this was back in school. I said to her, I said, God is closer to you than the clothes you are, the, the clothes you are putting on right now. He's, he's in touch with you. He's, he's in touch with you more than you know. Because this thing is not a matter of feelings. Because we like to bring our feelings into our relationship with God. No. He loves you unconditionally. My father told me something. He said the highest revelation of a believer is the revelation of God's love. That the more you know how much God loves you, the easier your Christian life will be. So that's why I don't have to wait for goosebumps to tell me that he loves me. I just know that he loves me. So it says that we know that we have eternal life. Praise God. 
So God is faithful in fellowship. God is faithful and that faithfulness is not a response to your behavior. Hmm. God looked at Peter and said to Peter, the devil desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. I mean, if many of us were Jesus, now think about this. You have 12 disciples. They give you your job description and your life's mission. 12 disciples you must hire before you go. That before you go is sounding somehow because that work is not for us. It's for only him. Now, they say 12 disciples, one of them is going to betray you. And then another one who is in your inner circle will betray you before you die. Not before you die, before he dies. Now, think about it. Jesus reaches out to 12 disciples. He doesn't treat Judas Iscariot less than he treats John or than he treats James or Peter. How many of you know today people who will betray you in the future and you will be the same? Let's be honest. Let's start from there. Okay, let's, let's even go back. How many of you remember how you acted towards the person that you found out betrayed you? Now, if I tell you, I bring a word of prophecy to you, my brother, you see that your friend that you call, that your friend, I saw a vision. He's going to betray you. He will rise against you. Some of you will not greet that guy again. In fact, the first thing many of you will do is to delete the person's number so that because you want to manage your space. I don't want toxic people around me. <laughs> mm. You know, many of you go to this thing, counseling, and there's one thing counseling leaves out, and that's the revelation of Christ. You know, just when, it, when you go to that, affirm to yourself that you are more than toxicity. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I do it with it. I cut them off, cut them off. You're not called to cut anybody off. That's not the spirit of Christ. That's not the spirit of Christ. He said that when they slap you on the right side, turn your other face and think about it now. Man of God, please come. Because we want to practicalize what that scripture said. <laughs> you know why I'm using him? Because I've known him from the beginning. This man of God has been friends with me um, for over 20 years. Or over 20 years. We grew up in Kano together. Great man of God. Now, where's your right side? <laughs> so we want to practicalize the scripture. I, wa I want the people to know that you have the spirit of God in you. All right. <laughs> so, but well, look at something. This is his right side. Most people are right-handed, right? They say, if, if I slap you on the right side. So, I can't slap on the right side like this. Because this is his right side. <laughs> so, the picture of that scripture you read, if they slap you on the right side, it's a slap like this. I am merciful for not doing what I really wanted to do. All right. So the, the, the picture of the slap is supposed to be like this. And in those days, according to culture, when you are slapped, not like this, but like this, it's a challenge. Someone is calling your bluff. It's not just offense. It's not just someone is hurting you. Is actually a challenge. So he says, when they slap you like this, turn the other side. Don't respond to the challenge. It's not everything you respond to on Facebook and Twitter. Now, <clears throat> some of you have just one small quarrel with your friend. The next thing, your status has changed. Fake people 
<laughs> Fake people are the closest around you, but sometimes you never know. And then when I look at some status, I'm just saying to myself, man of God, what really do you think inspires all those kind of... I mean, is it that bad that it's affecting your peace that you have to go to your status to even change? I make sure that whatever I put out there on social media is for the glory of God. You don't respond to everything. Every, any small thing, you're on Facebook. Happy me. Who said you are not happy before? Because the happy me is a response to someone who is trying to make you look as if you are not happy. Just behave yourself and know who you are in Christ. Somebody say, I know who I am in Christ. If they insult you, love them. That's what God said. God is faithful who has called us into fellowship with Christ. So our misbehavior does not change God's faithfulness to us. It doesn't. Look at Jesus telling Peter. Peter is there bragging. Master, all these spineless people who you call disciples, they ran. But I, Peter, I'm not leaving you. As you die, I die. Where you go, I go. Did you watch that Yoruba movie, Ogogo, go, I die for you? Okay. He said, as you die, I die. As you go, I go. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, before the cock would cry out two times, you're going to betray me three times. Now, Jesus knows ahead of time that Peter is going to betray him. But he says, in spite of your future betrayal, I have prayed for you. What is it that someone did to you that you cannot forgive? I'm asking you now. Because if Christ forgave you that much, what is it? See, I heard so many things what the person said about me. You know, this person said about, let the gospel just enter your heart. You'll be fine. What is it about what someone has done to you that you cannot forgive? He said, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are strengthened, you strengthen the brethren. But I hope you know Peter failed. Because he said, I have prayed for you, not that you will not fall, but you will not fail. He prayed for him so that his faith will not fail. Not that he didn't fall. Because tomorrow, the next day came, he actually fell. But you see, the commitment of Jesus, even after he rose back again from the grave, he still went to meet Peter. Have you any meat, children? After Peter fell. So you think that your behavior affects God's faithfulness to you. Look at your neighbor and say, God is faithful to me. Some of you, if you, if, you know, a lot of people are judgmental because nobody knows your secret. When people find out who you really are and what you do, you are there judging other people because you feel you, you are strong where they are weak. They never open your own, no. Because if they open your own, you know that you are only standing by his faithfulness. Nothing more than that. That's why Paul said there is no place for boasting. Some people come to church and they look at others, all, all these dirty looking saints. Smelling sin everywhere here. In fact, I don't even smell sin. I smell iniquity. <laughs> As if iniquity is the higher dimension. The Bible says that if he marks iniquity, who will stand? Nobody. But guess what? We have Jesus who took our place and because we put faith in him, we are forgiven. Now, you have the gift of forgiveness. Think about this. You offended someone who, and the person just looked at you and said, you know what? I still love you and I forgive you. Won't you be afraid of that person?
Some of you may not understand because you've not really done bad thing before. But if you've done something bad, that's what Jesus was asking. Now he says, the one who has committed sin and the one who committed the greater sin, who do you think the, the who do you think will love the forgiver more? Is the one with the greater sin. Let me show you a scripture in Psalms 130 verse 4. Psalms chapter 130 verse 4. You will be, see, you will want to do what is right towards someone who has forgiven you. You want to repeat that again. It says, but there is, let's read it together, want to go. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. You fear God not because you are scared of God, because he's your father. But you fear him because he forgave you. Because you know who you are. And our forgiveness is because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Finish. You didn't earn your forgiveness. You didn't earn your forgiveness. Now you have received forgiveness. Will you now go and start hurting the person who forgave you? You as a natural person will not do that. How much more with God? So we don't take our gift for granted. We don't do that. Like I always use this analogy, you know, you buy the latest Samsung or iPhone, it can dance in the water. Before you buy it, they tell you, sir, if you buy this phone, one million naira, if you put it inside water, nothing will happen. Water resistant. See, Doom! they put it inside water. They will even call the phone inside water. It just start to dance inside water. Then you are convinced you now buy the phone. You remember the adverts, ba? You, how much did you buy the phone? One million, right? Will you now call you say, this is my one million Nara phone that is water resistant. And then throw the phone inside water. If you yourself have common sense not to throw a gift or something that is that expensive just because it has water resistance, how much more we who have received the gift of forgiveness and you say we want to take our forgiveness for granted? No. Say, Pastor, stop telling people they are forgiven because if you tell them they are forgiven, they will just go and do what they like. It's because they don't understand the forgiveness. If you understand the forgiveness, you will be appreciated. You will be in awe of God. My salvation cost me something. It costs Christ something. It's free, but it costs Christ something. Hallelujah. So God is faithful. Somebody say God is faithful. Thank you, man of God. Am I not faithful for not slapping? <laughs> Please clap for me. <laughs> Amen. Please clap for him. Oh. Amen. God is faithful in provision. God has provided for you and he's faithful. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. Let me show you. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. We all know the scripture. Let's read it together. One to go. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us? He has provided all things for us. And everything that we have is in Christ Jesus. Are you going to look for what you want outside before looking for it in Christ? That's the wrong order, you know. Because before you look for something, you must know that what you're looking for out there is first of all found in Christ. You know, the Bible would have been simpler if it put it this way that because God gave Christ, can't he give you something else? You know, that one is also still sweet. I, I don't know if you get the logic. Ah, if God gave his only begotten son, what is it that he cannot give you? He will give you anything. But that's not even what the Bible is saying here. The Bible is saying that as God gave Christ, with Christ, he gave you everything. Follow come. So if I, if, if I have Christ, I have everything. You're not looking for what you already have. You already have it. As long as you are in Christ, you already have it. 
Oh Lord Jesus, open the hearts of the people to understand this. Say with me, say I have it. I have everything in Christ. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. Let me show you what is yours in Christ. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, living creatures. Move to verse 12. Next verse. Say with a loud voice, what is the lamb who was slain to receive what? Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and do you know that all these things you have it listen to me do you know the honor that is required of you in your office to be the kind of person that when you speak people listen to you that honor is in Christ it's not by what you study in school it's not by packaging there is just that honor you have in Christ reach out for it it's there you have it in Christ he said, what is the lamb that was slain? You have received riches. Riches are inside of you. Power is, I'm not talking about your connection. I'm not talking about who you know and who you don't know or the job you have or the job you don't have. I'm saying you have riches in you. You have wisdom in you. You have strength in you. Pastor, I'm always tired. Listen, you are strong. You are strong. There is capacity in you. You have what it takes to be all that God wants you to be. You don't feel diminishing, diminishing returns when other people are feeling, feeling diminishing returns. You don't. There is glory around you. There is glory in you. You have it in Christ. And then what else? You have blessing in Christ. So you're not, you're not asking God to do something that he has not already done. You are praying that he does in the manifest what he has already done in the position. It's done in the position which is in Christ Jesus. So he's committed to bring it out in the expression because he has already done it. Do you know you have beautiful kids in Christ? Let me come down home. Do you know that you have obedient children in Christ? Do you know that you have a beautiful family in Christ? Do you know that you have a successful life in Christ? Do you know that you have peace in Christ? Do you know that things don't bother you in Christ? Everything is in Christ. Hallelujah. God is faithful in your brokenness. A lot of people are broken, you know. Um... Many adults are broken children, actually. Many adults are broken children. They are just broken children in an adult body. Children who were raped when they were probably six years old. It put a scar in their heads, in their spirit, in their soul. Um, you wake up in the morning, you hear your father, your mother probably quarreling. It left a scar in your head. You don't want to get married or you're just broken. Maybe your father, mother was an alcoholic. It put shame inside of you as a child. Or you struggled with something personally. Or your pictures were not just right. Many people are broken. But you know that it takes only Christ to fix anything that is called brokenness. It's only God that can fix brokenness. Sometimes you pray for someone. You do all night. You fast. You tell the person, go on four days. The person comes back. And because the hurt is still there. It's not as if the knowledge is not there. I mean, they, they can even quote back the scripture you are quoting. The ones you gave them, go and read the scripture. They will quote it back to you. But the pain is still there. The hurt is still there. But sometimes they will just change things for yourself. But what is speaking is the hurt. is the pain that is speaking. But you see, it's only Christ that can come and fix a little boy who was broken before that has become a man and it turns his life all around. It's only Christ that can fix a broken lady. Only Christ. It's not even your revenge. It's not even your seeking retaliation. Those things don't even heal the soul. 
What heals the soul is the peace of God. That's what fixes brokenness. But God is faithful in our brokenness. Praise God. He's faithful in our brokenness. God is faithful in protecting you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2. We're going to be closing in a bit. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable men or wicked men, for not all have faith. Next verse. But the Lord is faithful, who will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Whose, whose word is this? Say with me. Say the Lord is faithful. Who strengthens me and protects me from the evil one. God is committed to doing that for you. Can I say this to you? No weapon formed against you. No, I mean it. No weapon formed. You know what it means to be fashioning something against someone? You look at the person and you decide. Hold on, hold on a bit. You look at the person and you decide that no weapon fashioned against you will prosper. In other words, you are fashioning a weapon as it fits the person because you have studied the person. But it says no weapon fashioned. That is no weapon built to suit you will work against you. There are some of you, all you, you, know, you know you've loved food from the beginning, from day one to the end. And if they want to kidnap you, they can use food to kidnap you. But God is even saying, no weapon from that food, Seth. <laughs> no, that food, it no go still work. Some of you, is money. The moment you hear money, <laughs> your senses are all over the place. But it says, even when money traps are coming, it says, no weapon formed against you. They prosper. Some people is women. They cannot see women. And may God deliver us. May God de deliver you. <laughs> because you know, there's this part of the pastor that wants to identify with every may God deliver all of us. Then I thought about it. I said, No. <laughs> if you are the one that has the problem, may God deliver you. Look at your neighbor, say, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Who believes that word right now? No weapon formed against me will prosper. He said, God will strengthen you and he will keep you from the evil one. Say, that's my word. That's my word. He's even faithful in temptation. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. God is faithful in temptation. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. It says no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So don't think you are the only one going through what you are going through. Pastor, there is a pain in my heart and it's only me. It's not only you. Other people are going through what you are going through. It says but God is what faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with hmm, that's powerful right there it says but with the temptation will also make the way of escape in other words God uses the problem to make a way I don't know what temptation hit you recently Temptation of worry, temptation of fear, temptation of doubt, temptation of low self-esteem, temptation, te te oh my God, temptation of all kinds of temptations, weaknesses, falling, sin, but it says God is still faithful. And guess what? He will give you the power to overcome that temptation. Do you know that the real victory is not just in your success against temptation. The real victory is your success in doing what God wants you to do. Because temptation sometimes can be a distraction. Pastor, I have a testimony. What's your testimony? 
the Lord delivered me when the enemy came, I stood. <laughs> Meanwhile, what God has asked you to do, you've not started doing it, but you are studying. You are saying, I stood, I stood. Now, that deliverance is good, but temptation has a way of slowing people down because when you give in to temptation, you are staying longer in a place where you are not supposed to be. There are many people who are just four years old according to the age of God. You may be 39, but you are just four because according to the seasons that he has planned for your life to have an experience, you probably have not even scratched the first phase of God's season for you. First. But you are, you are there just... Trials and temptations, you are meant to walk over them. But guess what? It is by the spirit and the grace of God. So if there is anybody here who is perpetually just falling into temptation, receive grace now to stand up. Say a better amen. You don't know if the person you are saying amen is by your side. Stand up and focus on what God wants you to do. Amen. So he says, no temptation. He says, God is faithful. God is faithful. Even though you fell, but God is faithful. I'm here to encourage somebody. Say, you know, this one paid me, your pastor, because I fasted. I even made a covenant with God. Take out one eye. <laughs> the moment I fall. And you are here with two eyes still looking at me. You know why? Because God is faithful. God, cut my leg if I make this mistake again because I want to show you that I'm serious. <laughs> and then you went back and you did it again. And God did not cut your leg. He's faithful. But he has strengthened you to be victorious. Somebody say, I'm victorious. If God is cutting the leg of people, <laughs> everybody sitting down here, crutches will be selling. <laughs> everybody sitting down here, we have, some will have no leg. Some will have no leg. Some will not even have hand. Some of us will not even have any limb at all. This is what I'm saying, some of us. Not some of you, us. Praise God. Say God is faithful. Let me give you a last scripture, then we pray and go. I want you to thank God sincerely from your heart today, okay? Um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 all the way to 18. Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 13 all the way to 18. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. <sighs> Next verse. Saying, surely, blessing I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. Next verse. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Next verse. For men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Next verse. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. The word immutability means something that doesn't change over time. That's the meaning of the word immutability. Next verse. Okay, I think, yeah, and that by two immutable things in which it is impossible it is impossible. If God, look, if God looks at this speaker and says this is blue, you know it's black. If he says it's blue, it will turn to blue. Not because it was blue before, but because he said it. So God cannot lie. Even if he tries to lie. He can't lie. He said, for it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope said before us. This is a covenant he made with Abraham. You know when you use the word covenant, there are different kinds of covenants in the Bible. There are many. Abrahamic covenant, Davidic covenant, Mosaic covenant, covenant of the law, Messianic covenant, but there are two broad covenants. The old covenant and the new covenant. That's how you demarcate them broadly. And every covenant is a bilateral agreement. Do you know why people make covenants? Because we cannot trust our words. So that's why we make covenant. So I come, let me use you today. I'm going to use you today. Be careful. If I promise I, come, come on. If I promise I, 
if you fulfill the part of the deal, I will fulfill my own side of the deal, which is to give you the land. But you have... They are already receiving for you. <laughs> there was a day I gave size something. You know, just borrowed. Though, because then, in my bachelor days, amen. <laughs> in my bed, then, Sai was living with me in my bachelor days. I just borrowed size something to use for church. Sai looked at me. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, sir. I said, no, I don't like this thank you. Because <laughs> it's borrow, I borrowed you. Don't be thanking me like that. <laughs> so, but you see, that's how when you thank God, you are confident in what you know you already have. So, I tell Sai, I said, Sai, if you do your part of the agreement, I will give you the land. Sai says, okay. But because our words are not enough, we now have to enter into something that is deeper than words. Now we're going deeper now. Somebody say, go deeper, pastor. And that deeper, <laughs> go deeper with me. That deeper, <laughs> that deeper is called oath. So that our, it's not just mere talk. I go come, you go come. And no, not be that one. Let's swear. So that, again, <laughs> let's swear. So that in case what you say, you do not do, we are bound by the oath. So covenant is a, is a language of man because man's words cannot be trusted. That's covenant. It cannot be trusted. So man has to go into covenant and it's bilateral. Go back to verse, what verse did we start from? 13. Go back to verse 13. You see how God made a covenant with Abraham. Okay, sorry, I'll, I'll still use you. Man of God, come again. Now, this is Abraham. This is an animal. You are not an animal. <laughs> but let's say this is an animal. Okay? Normally, when you're going into covenant, what you do is you have to divide the animal in two. And put one. So let's say you are divided in two now because I cannot actually divide you in two. So I need another half that is like you. Now that might be a problem because I don't know. Where is Jerry? Jerry, come here. You are the only one that can fit into this, this thing that we want to do here. Oh, Jesus. All right, now come. You stay here. Stay here. This is one animal cut in two. Move forward a bit. Don't worry. Then this is the other animal. Sai, come. This is what they say when they are making covenants. They will say, if you don't do what you planned, and I don't do what I planned, the animal is cut in two, in two pieces. Blood is already flowing on this side. There's blood here. They will walk through the blood and say, no, 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 no. I'm missing something. I need a hefty person. Basi, come. Okay. 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 Yes. Now, this is the umpire, which is the referee. Because this referee now is bigger than me and this man put together. That's the qualification of a referee. The referee has to be greater than party A and party B. Because even one chest alone is more than all our chests. You know, we used to call Basi, I am that I am. You know why? We gave him that nickname in 2016 or so because of Basi's leg. If you see Basi's yam. So we, we used to call him I am. <laughs> Sorry. So... So, the I am is supervising the covenant. And both of us are going to say, both of us are going to say, so shall our lives be. Like these two animals that are here. If we don't keep the part of the agreement. So, you know, now you know that one is more than yam. <laughs> because you already seen animals cut into two already. It's not a joke. Oh. Now, God was about to make a covenant with Abraham. 
Let me use the twins. Peter and Paul, come. This is a perfect animal caught. This one was caught from the womb. <laughs> so, Pastor Paul, you stay here. Peter, you stay here. God now told Abraham. Man of God, move. Let me read you something. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear. Now, God wanted to make a promise with Abraham, but God needed a referee that has to be higher than him to supervise the covenant. He says, but because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. So he was both the referee and the party player. Next verse, verse 14. All right? Say, surely I will bless you. So God now said to Abraham, cut all the animals. Abraham went, cut the animals. He did. And the moment Abraham was about, go and read it to It's in Genesis. You know where that scripture is in, in Genesis. The moment Abraham was about to pass through the animals, the Bible says God caused a deep sleep to fall on Abraham. So Abraham, sleep. Just find somewhere and crash. Amen. And God passed by himself. This is not a unilateral covenant. This is a by. This is not a bilateral covenant. This is a unilateral covenant. So God passes by himself. And the moment he passes, touches everywhere. The sacrifices are burned. Abraham wakes up and he's like, what's going on here? A covenant was set. I'm supposed to. And then he wakes up and he realizes that the covenant rights, everything has been concluded. In other words, God is saying, Abraham, I don't need you because you will fail. But I'm swearing by myself. Which means that by two immutable things. Go to that scripture. By two immutable things. What at, use the amplified when you get to that two immutable. The first immutable thing is the word. Because God's word can never fail. So God does not need to enter covenant. But he had to come down to your level. Because you understand covenant. Because if someone tells you something, you will not hear. Except they do covenant. So God said, for you to believe me, I will do covenant. But I don't need to do covenant because my word is enough. He said, this was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise to Abraham was enough. But he said, Abraham... Just so that I can consolidate on your faith in me. I will not just give you my promise. I will give you an oath. So he swore a unilateral covenant. Saying, I don't need your performance, Abraham. I will do this one by myself. And if I don't bless you and through your seed shall all the nations be blessed. It is not your function of your works or your performance. This has everything to do with who I am called God. So the integrity of my throne is on the basis of my performance of my promise. Everything I told you I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And it is a function of only me. And that's how God says he's going to bless you in the new covenant. He said because of Jesus, you're already blessed. Ha! So what is your work now? You know what you're going to do when you leave here? You judge him faithful. How do you judge him faithful? You judge him faithful by saying, I know things are not working well, but I judge you faithful. I know it looks like things are not adding up, but I judge you faithful. It's your conversation to God. It's you saying to God that even though I can see with my physical eyes things are not aligning, but I know with my spiritual eye concerning what you planned from a long time ago, I judge you faithful. In my business, I judge you faithful. In my family, I judge you faithful. Your kids that are not hearing what, listen, you judge God faithful because they will come back to you. Everything that your hand lays upon to do, you judge God faithful. In, is it honor? Is it grace? Is it power? Is it blessing? Is it fulfillment? Is it multiplication? I judge God faithful because he's faithful. How many of you want to judge God faithful today? We don't look for, come on, Runo, help me. We don't look for the facts now. We're looking at the truth. We judge God faithful. God, you will do it. I know you will do it. They told the Hebrew boys, they said, boys, if you don't bow, now fire, you will enter fire. They said, even if God does not deliver us, no, even if God does not deliver us from this, we, we will not bow. He said, oh king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Some of you need to be rugged in your faith. You need to come to that place where you judge God faithful. Pastor, I've been waiting for long. How long will I be waiting? Judge him faithful. 
judge him faithful. Who am I talking to this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, judge him faithful. Glory to God. You're too faithful to fail me. You're too faithful to Woo, Shadaba. You're proving yourself in my life. And I feel you're the faithful. You're too faithful to fail. You look at fear. House rent is about to come. No money, no money. Nobody's even helping you. But you say, Lord, I judge you faithful. How am I going to pay the bills? I judge you faithful. Things are not adding up. But I judge you faithful. They say you are not qualified for the job. Hey, listen to me. You judge him faithful. Who told you God needs a job to bless you? Did they tell you God needed a womb to give someone a baby? A woman did not meet a man, but that woman had a child. He said, the spirit of the most high shall overshadow you. He's too faithful. Lift your hands up. Let's just thank God. We're done today. I don't know what you're trusting God for, but judge him faithful where you are. Judge him faithful where you are. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.